Um, my name's Chrissy, and we're going to read the sermon reading together. So in your Bibles or on your screens, if you'd like to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Just need to scroll back a book. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what he's done in secret, will reward you. Uh, great to be here. My name is Pete Stacey, if I haven't met you. And... Uh... There is a kid's sheet that follows the sermon every week, so if you want to do that, or if you're not a kid, but you just want to take notes, that's actually a really helpful place to start. Uh, we had planned to do the Treasurer's Report last week, and that reading was all about giving, um, but Phil was sick last week, so it's all well, on the same day, we didn't kind of line it up deliberately. Now, it is cold, so can everyone get their pulse? Have a seat, find the pulse down here, yes, over there. Got it? So counting, yeah. What, what Jesus does for us here in the Sermon on the Mount is he helps us find our spiritual pulse to see if we're healthy or sick or, or dead. Uh, I watched a documentary a while ago about pandas and their habitat. It showed how fast bamboo can grow, like up to three feet a day, really healthy bamboo, but growth grow like that has to have a healthy root system. Now, when it's stunted or sickly looking, it's no use treating the leaves or the stalk. The real problem is below the surface. Over the last few weeks, we've seen how Jesus has shown many of the Old Testament laws to help us see that our obedience, or lack of it, springs from what's going on below the surface, in our hearts. Last week, we saw that ultimately, God actually wants us to be... Who was missing? God actually wants us to be perfect. Perfect. Ah, we're not, are we? We cannot enter God's kingdom by trusting our own goodness like the Pharisees tried to do, or by trusting false gods like the pagans were doing, or or by just ignoring God and pretending He doesn't exist like so many people today. (laughs) Rather, we must put our trust in Jesus who gave His perfect life for us on the cross to pray for our sins. Only then can we receive God's forgiveness, have our hearts washed clean and get on with living life in a way that truly pleases God. Now in today's passage, Jesus again focuses on our spiritual pulse. But this time, he shines the light, not on the meaning of the law, but our motivation for obeying it. So let's go to ask God for help as we look at it. Thank you, God, for the great privilege of hearing you speak to us through your word. Please help me to explain it faithfully. And Lord, help us to listen well and be honest with ourselves and with you as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the big issue is right there in verse 1. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness, in other words, doing you know, good, good deeds, in front of others to be seen by them. There's the issue. Uh, if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. In these few verses, 
Jesus puts the spotlight fairly and squarely on our motivation, on our motivation for obeying. Then Jesus illustrates his point by looking at three of the big public acts of righteousness in Jewish religion. Giving, verses 1 to 4, prayer, verses 5 to 15, and then fasting. And we're going to look at each of them over the next three weeks. Um, religious fasting is probably the one we're least familiar with that. Um, so maybe you could just try fasting until that sermon in two weeks. Straight. <laughs> right. um, today, we're just looking at the first four verses about giving. So please keep your Bibles open if you've got them there. Uh, in the last verse of chapter 5, Jesus had just said, Be perfect. Now he urges us to be careful. And that's because sin is so sneaky. The moment we know the right thing to do, sin sneaks into our hearts and tempts us to do the right thing in the wrong way. And we trade the goal of pleasing God for that of pleasing people. Now, it's a really good issue because we all struggle with this one. We live in a society that's obsessed with image and how we present ourselves online and that sort of thing. Um, We live in a society that doesn't care so much about what's real, but about what is seen. I don't have to really be a disciple of Jesus. It's not to just look like one when it suits the crowd with. But Jesus says, no. Doing things in front of others to be seen by them must not be the motivation of the Christian. Now I can speak on this uh, with ease because there's a person who's grown up in the church and learned all the moves, you know, and, and who's up at the front a lot and has public gifts such as music. And uh, I struggle with constantly with this issue. It's always uh, not far back in my mind, no matter what I'm doing. If others can see me, there's this corner of my heart that's asking, I wonder what they're thinking of me. Maybe it's because I'm the third or fourth children. Now, lots of books have been written about uh, middle child syndrome, the desire to get attention. (laughs) Or maybe it's because, like you, I'm human. And it's hardwired into my sinful nature. That's it, isn't it? And I have to constantly check my spiritual pulse in this matter. We must ask ourselves, what is my motivation for giving, or praying, or fasting, or playing the piano, or singing, or or service leading, or packing up the chairs after the service, or making really yummy cakes for morning tea, or supper, or spending hours preparing a good sermon? Whose approval am I seeking? Is it God? Is he my audience? Or is it just to impress other people? Jump down to verse 18, if you do have a paper Bible there. At the end of this section, Jesus is talking about fasting, and after he tells them the right way to fast, he says, it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do you really believe that God's there? Do you really believe that he sees you? Even though we can't see him. Yeah, if we remove the human audience, and that forces us then to be doing these things secretly, giving, praying and fasting, would I still do them? Would I relish the fact that my Father in heaven, 
who I can't see, he sees me and will reward me. And that is enough. Or will to become half-hearted and give less and just pray occasionally and fasting or forget that altogether? Would my zeal just evaporate for lack of recognition and public praise? The key issue. What's my motivation? Well, before we look at this first example of giving, let me just clear up a little problem uh, in this Sermon on the Mount in this regard. Remember back in 5.16, Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now it seems to be the same exact opposite. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. To be seen, don't be seen. Which one's right? Glorify your Father in heaven versus no reward from your Father in heaven. Stakes are pretty high. How do we reconcile these two verses? It's all about, you guessed it, motivation. Motivation. What's driving us? In 5.16, Jesus is, is emphasising the importance of not hiding our faith, but living it courageously so that others may see that we follow Jesus and they might follow Jesus as well. Our good deeds actually make the gospel attractive to other people and might lead to their salvation. And so our motivation in that instance is God's glory and the possible salvation of other people. Here in chapter 6 verse 1, Jesus is condemning those who do their good deeds in front of other people for the purpose of being seen, of being admired, of being publicly praised. Isn't she fabulous? Isn't he wonderful? They're motivated by selfish gain and personal glory instead of the glory of God and the progress of the gospel. Now, two people could do exactly the same action. Now, perhaps help clean up after church, for example. One does it to honour the Lord and serve others and will be rewarded by God. The other does it to honour themselves and be seen by others and they've received their reward in full. God sees the heart. Verse 1 says there's no reward from God when we do the right thing but for the wrong reason. What's our motivation? That really is the key. Now, having stated that principle in verse 1, Jesus now illustrates it. Uh, Note that he illustrates each of these, uh, begins these examples, verse 2, verse 5, and verse 16, with when you, not if you. There's no suggestion that his followers would fail to do these things. They're assumed behaviours of a child of God. Uh, God is a generous God, so his children bear the family likeness when they give. But Jesus doesn't tell us to give, that's assumed. Rather, he addresses our motivation. Friends, it's, it's likely that some of us here need to actually get to first base and start giving. That's important. Now, I cut a whole section out here um, on the Old Testament background of giving and tithing and uh, how to give and where to give and all that. It's really important, but it's actually not the focus of this passage. Here, Jesus is addressing our reason for giving. Our motivation. And our motivation will shape our manner. Look at his description of the hypocrite in verse 10. I don't know whether this is hilarious or tragic or both. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. 
Now we've got the words, but we don't have the tone of voice. I wonder how Jesus said this. Was he serious as he said it? Or did he kind of do a bit of a cameo with you know, some trumpets, all the you know, Pharisees walking along, all the people cheering, you know, aren't you amazing? Um, it'd be a fun passage to do a puppet show on, I reckon. You'd really have it up, couldn't you? Hypocrites, they're pretenders. People with masks that they change, depending on the crowd they're with. They look like they're concerned for God and for others, but in real reality, their main interest is in what people think of them. Listen to how Jesus describes it in Mark 7. We've heard a bit of it before. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, Jesus said, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions, he says. Friends, giving is a matter of the heart. Jesus urges us to check our spiritual pulse in this matter. Note the locations that he mentions, in the synagogues and on the streets. In other words, they get to the church and to the community. Great things to do. Uh, although if you are thinking about how you're going to give, give to the church because a lot of people give to the community, uh, but no one in the community will actually get to support the work of the gospel. Um, just a little tip there. Um, but giving is their normal practice in their worship and in their work. So, so what's the problem? They're giving. It's not what they give or even where they give, it's how they give that Jesus condemns to be honoured by others. Their ego is redlining while their spiritual pulse is flatlining. They may be able to fool others. They might even fool themselves. But note this, God sees. Jesus says they have received their reward in full. Tap and go, you're all done. Paid in full. No reward in the mail and certainly nothing in heaven. Now Jesus is a great teacher. He doesn't just tell us what not to do, he also tells us what to do instead. So verse 3, do not, let your, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Now some people have sort of worked out that this means that Jesus is making a new rule up here. All giving must be completely anonymous. Give so secretly that your other hand won't, won't know, you know. Like, it's a funny figure of speech when you think about it. Um, close your eyes as you sign the check, you know, sort of hold it with your elbow or something. Um, or as you, you know, fill out your PayPal on your phone and just put the other hand in your pocket. It's weird. Friends, privacy is not the goal, but it is the gauge. It helps us check our spiritual pulse. Ask yourself, if no one else knows... Is it worth giving away so much money secretly? Would I still give this amount to this cause if no one else ever found out? Privacy guarantees that our giving will not be prompted, even in part, by seeking praise from our peers. I think one of the unique uh, Christian struggles in obeying Jesus here, is that if we look to God for our heavenly reward and give in secret, no one else knows what or even if 
we are giving. So we don't get any reward in that way. No admiration, no encouragement, no approval from others. We all crave approval. I do. And we like to be encouraged and admired for the good things we do. So when that gratification is removed, it's hard. Especially when we see others around us in the world and they're getting their reward in full right in front of our very eyes. Doing all sorts of things. It's so tempting to share all that we are doing and all that we're giving. So friends, share it with God. Share it with God. It's an adventure of faith. Boasting to others, that would be our reward in fullness. Instead of receiving the reward that God has for us. What do we do with compliments then? In fact, God tells us to encourage one another daily. How do we respond without our pride getting in the way when someone does give us a compliment? I complimented a friend once. Uh, he was outstanding. I, I, I told him so. Um, he replied, thanks. God's given me a gift in this area. It was so good. Uh, uh, what, what happened was he accepted my compliment. Sometimes we argue with people when they compliment us. They just slam their compliment in their face. Yeah, we don't want to do that. But he accepted the compliment and directed my attention immediately to God. It was so simple. And it's so effective. Uh, I wonder how might you do that um, in a reply when someone gives you a compliment. You know, your own words. Uh, lastly, uh, what is this reward? What is this reward? If we have a clear goal to aim for, the motivation is often easier. The passage simply says, your father who sees what he's done in secret will reward you. That's his promise. Verse 1 says, your father in heaven. That's led some people to uh, link rewards to being something that's waiting for us in heaven. Uh, like in chapter 5 where Jesus did say, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. That's clear, isn't it? But here, the in heaven describes God, not the location of the reward. And in fact, right through this uh, section, chapter 6, we're not told what or even when the reward is given. Simply that it will be. And that's enough. But, <laughs> there are some other passages in the New Testament that mention rewards for giving generously and showing warm hospitality to the needy and other believers. Uh, so I want to just, uh, give five of them briefly as I finish. I, I've got this straight from John Piper and I can give you all the references that back it up later if you like. First of all, the reward of seeing what our giving does for others. Our giving reduces suffering and supplies the needs of others and increases their well-being in life. That's a wonderful reward if you're a generous giver. Number two, the reward of seeing God's glory displayed when we are generous and show warm hospitality. Yet God gives us home and, and money so that others can see that those things are not our God, but God is our God. How do they see that? They see it when we use home and money for God, for the purpose of the gospel. 
Third one, uh, godly generosity produces thankfulness and praise to God in both the giver and the receiver. Who doesn't want to have a heart full of thankfulness? This is one reward for generosity. Number four, God's love is confirmed in our hearts when we give generously and open our homes to others. And number five, several Bible verses do specifically talk about rewards in heaven. Uh, like chapter five. What wonderful blessings. Wonderful blessings. What wonderful rewards when we give for God's glory, for the good of others and the growth of the gospel. Friends, has your spiritual pulse in this area? Do you truly believe that God is there? That, that God sees everything you do? Do you believe he will reward what is done in secret? If so, can I encourage you, launch yourself into the wonderful adventure of giving generously. The typical behaviour of the religious person is radically different from the typical behaviour of the person who truly follows Jesus because they have a different motivation, a different manner of being generous, and they live to please a completely different audience. May God give us the grace to honour him in this important area of our lives. Amen.
Well, thank you, Pete. Uh, what a wonderful reminder and a challenge for each one of us. The motivation behind our behaviour. Our behaviour should reflect our concern for God and for others, he said to us, Pete, and uh, not for selfish gain or for personal glory. Uh, next week, my notes suggest John is speaking, but I think it's Pete. Thank you, John. Uh, it is Pete who is speaking next week on Teach Us to Pray. Uh, following the service, morning tea will be held up um, uh, in the Demandable, so please come and join us. And uh, we do need to clear the room. I too am guilty of hanging around and speaking for a bit long whilst we're preparing for that service. So please, if we could conduct our conversation at our morning tea up in the Indomitable, that would be wonderful. We're going to close with the grace, and it's going to be on the screen for us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, evermore. Amen.